having a hard time finding a good book to read about Twin Peaks? Did you finish binge-watching Twin Peaks in quarantine, and now you're looking for more? If so, we have the book for you. Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. Based off the popular show from the 1990s, read about the making of each episode from over 100 cast and crew members. This book covers Season 1, Season 2, Firewalk With Me, and Season 3. But wait, there's more! This book has commentary from the community and the host from the wildly popular podcast Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Order now! Supplies are very limited. Only $25.99 plus shipping and handling. Go to bluerosemag.com today. Welcome to this week's Twin Peaks Unwrapped podcast. Did I get the title right? I you think got it I, right. I got Unwrapped. It right. Unwrapped. With Brian and Ben? Yes. Ben and Brian. <laughs> I'm Ben. And I'm Brian. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so this week, our focus, our main focus is on episode two. If you're following along at home, episode two, which is the big funeral episode. No. <laughs> no, that's episode three. Yes. All right. This is not. This is the, this is the big uh, yeah, the dream right. episode. I yeah. can't believe I screwed that up. This is the big Red Room episode, I think, that defines the show almost. I agree totally. And, yeah. I, and I would say, uh, at some, you know, when we get to it, I feel like David Lynch to some, some degree feels the same way, that this really establishes the show, I mean. Yes. Um, yeah. I 100% believe that... This episode for me got me um, continuing watching. Like, I watched the first couple episodes, and I'm like, it's a little cheesy acting. I don't really know what's, what's, this, what's going on. Everybody talks about how great this is. Did I do the wrong thing? What am I doing? And then this episode happens, and I'm really, I fall in love with the show because of this episode. Um, and this show is, yeah. uh, th- this episode was written by Mark Frost and David Lynch. It was directed by David Lynch. It, Which it, you can tell. Yeah, you can yeah, tell. I mean, yeah. like, you watch the opening, and it's like, you feel like it's five minutes of them sitting, at, uh, the, at the, the t- horn sitting at the table. It's like, I mean, I love that style. I love that he's willing to take that pace, but some people, it might drive them crazy. It's yeah. like, they're just sitting there eating food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, That's his style. And when you watch this episode, that's the first thing I noticed, was they're sitting at the table for an awfully long time. And so this this aired on April 19th, 1990. Uh, the ratings was 13.1, and it's in the 28th spot for the week. So again, it's going uh, down. down. <laughs> yes. See, as the mystery grows, right. the, the ratings go down. I do, and I question, like, when pe- some people, you know, they get to the end of this episode, and I think you and I are like, wow, this is amazing. I've never seen yeah, anything like this yeah. on TV. Some people are like, I'm never going to watch this show again. Exactly. It's like, it's gone too far. Like, I can't handle this. I <laughs> think you had two types of people watching the show at this point you had people who are unsure of it and then you have people that were really becoming invested in it and then this the ending to this episode was either going to turn you off totally or be like i'm 100 percent in yeah. and for me watching it now i made me feel like okay i'm investing into something worthwhile i i'm 100 percent in and i th- my tastes haven't t- changed i think if i was watching this when i was younger I probably would have been, oh, my God, this is so cool. Like, I would have been a teenager, like, oh, my God, I have a special show (laughs) that's talking to my weirdness, and I'm going to continue watching this. Because I always gravitated to weird, um, under-the-radar kind of shows. Right. Shows that probably um, don't fit the norm. Like, you know, you don't, like, oh, it's, like, or, like, connect the dots or fill in the the book. Like, it's something that's very odd, and you don't know what you're going to get every week. Yeah. So this, in this episode, uh, it's, we, we learn, we uh, meet Jerry Horn, and that is uh, Ben Horn's brother, and, um. Which took me forever to figure out. Now, I can ask you a question, though. We meet Jerry Horn, his brother, and then I just learned, because I'm slow and I didn't realize this, Laura Palmer's dad is 
business partners with them? Yes. Yeah, so he, so Leland Palmer, Laura's dad, is a lawyer, and he's the lawyer for Ben Horn. Okay. I just learned this, and I'm a little bit head of no, the show. There's so much of, going on in this show. And yeah. I just figured that out, and I'm like, oh, are they brothers? Wait a minute. No. They work together? So oh, in, he's in the, a lawyer. In the pilot, there was that whole meeting with um, the foreign investment, and mm-hmm. Leah is there as the lawyer to kind of handle paperwork and things like that. You know, I forgot all about that. because yeah, there's it's so just, much going on, Yeah, right? there's so many characters. But, yeah, so, like, and I don't get invested into these characters until later, but the fact they're eating loaves of bread in the beginning well, they got of butter episode, in it too. Butter, <laughs> yeah, they're just eating loaves of bread like, and I was just like this is so weird. I should know what this is called, but it's like it's like a yeah, it's like a sandwich. It's got butter just or something. Just butter, yeah. it's just butter and bread. Yeah. Um so when 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 Mark Frost and David Lynch were creating Jerry, mm-hmm. one of the things they were thinking about were again they were thinking about the Kennedys. So these the whole idea of of uh, Ben and Jerry are kind of like Ben uh, and Jerry ice cream. Did yes. they even have a Ben and Jerry ice cream? They did. No way. And did I, they I, really? I, in another episode, they'll be eating ice cream and stuff. And we'll have to when they, we get to that episode, we'll have to talk more about that. But um, yeah, right. They were. I think they were named after the ice or cream. Ben and Jerry. The car- is it the cartoon? No, no. Ben, wait, what no, am I thinking of? You're thinking of Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry. Okay, right. Ben they, and Jerry. That, yeah. That's what they were thinking about the ice cream. And so they're 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 kind of model off the Kennedys to some uh, Robin. You know what is it? Bobby and and Jack yep. Kennedy and stuff. Yep. Like that. And another thing when they were thinking of Jerry is that they they wanted him to always love food. So whenever you see him in the show, <laughs> he's always got food. <laughs> he's always talking. In one episode, he's like. What is it? He's got some kind of pig, some roasted pig. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's future stuff about that. Um, So, yeah, what else do we – where do we want to go next with this and stuff? Um, Well, I'll see what I have in my own notebook because – my next thing I really was interested in, in was the the rock throwing, but I don't know if that's skipping ahead too much. That's skipping ahead just a little bit. Um, Well, in my notes, I wrote Dream, Log Lady. And I think in the beginning of the episode, the log lady talks about a dream. Okay, or... tell me about that because I don't. I mean, I had I haven't watched I that. No, because intro... that's oh. her dream. Um, she. I think because I noticed the log lady talks about. So this is the intro before the. Yeah, the... on the Blu-ray or DVD, I'm assuming mm-hmm. you can watch the log lady intro, the, the the preview of last episode, and then it goes into the show. And to give you some sense, so, when, back in 1990 when I was watching this, there was no log lady intros. When when Bravo got the rights to, to air Twin Peaks, I don't know what year it is right now, but when yeah. they got that, David Lynch uh, decided to do intros, and he worked with uh, the, the actors who did the log lady, and he did... So these were filmed after? Yeah, years after. Oh my god, because they... I wanna, I wanna, she let's say it's same. 93. Let's say it's 93. I, I want to guess it's around 93. So that's you know two years oh, okay. after the series had ended that they did they did this for Bravo wow. and stuff. So that's cool. Like, yeah. Um, the log lady she talks about a dream, and that kind of leads into the whole dream thing at the end of the episode, which we'll get to. But I also kind of try to pay attention to what she's saying because it does give you some warped kind of thing, abstract what's of what's happening, happening. Yeah. and it's all because the log. I'm assuming the log's telling her these things. Because she's this weird character that will... Ha- she actually has a, a bigger role later on. But it's just like... You know, you're almost thinking to yourself... You know, is this story that we're watching just the log telling her the story? Is the <laughs> <I've> log... Heard, <laughs> I've heard that theory before. I mean, or that, yeah, yeah, or yeah. here, how about this? How about the log lady? It's sort of like she... The, lo- the wood has the history of the town mm-hmm. they know everything because the trees are everywhere in the log is just telling her the story and she's just telling the world and this is the story the, that, is that the theory people think of sometimes i think that's more than i mean i think you create a whole new theory <laughs> because but, wouldn't that be cool i mean the woods play a big part in this yeah and, and yeah why not i mean but at some point we'll have to talk there's other theories about what uh it, it, it if there's a spirit in the log and stuff, it has so, to be. Or yeah, some so, uh, termites well, are talking. Or termites. <laughs> the termites. Are. Maybe. So when we get to One Eye Jacks, which yep. is uh, Ben Horns, I, he owns the this uh, brothel. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets uh, crazy. Very crazy. Or he, I guess a casino. He, he owns it's, the casino. It's but, casino with brothel. It's right. really a brothel yeah. in like 
The casino is just a, a facade, right. I think. And I thought I'd just point out to you that uh, they have red curtains in in this uh, one eye jacks, which is the same kind of red curtains as the the red room, and it actually is the same red curtains used and stuff like that. Oh, so, really? Uh, to throw you off? No, I mean, well, it's I mean, just I think coincidence? it's it's well, I mean, two things. I think that they thought it looked cool, but they yep. actually used used these set pieces for other things. But I also think, yeah, they're always trying to make you rethink about like yeah, connect things sort together. of like. Like the almost plastic. like Easter eggs. And yeah, stuff, but like, it? yeah, like um, Leo's house had the plastic. She was right. wrapped in plastic. So now yeah. you have red room, and then all of a sudden, well, you see these red curtains, and then later on, we'll see the red room. Yeah, and yeah. remember again. I mean, when we get to the red room again, the red room was part of that European pilot. So they shot that. They shot that whole red room sequence before they even started the first season. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, it was months and months. I don't, it might have been a year before they even got to episode one, two and stuff. But Well, we also meet a new character, Blackie. Blackie, yeah. She's the one that runs the casino. Right. What, what is it, the madam? Or... Madam. <laughs> madam. Yes. She's the madam. Um, and, you know, you, you know, we are introduced to her character briefly. We know we there's more about her later on, mm-hmm. I think, at the end of the season, into yeah. season two. Right. Um. And then, um, I think this is the episode we go into one armed man, the one armed, uh, the one armed man. I mean, right? I think, I think th- with this episode, I think Hawk just gives Cooper an update on that. I think all he does is he calls him up and like, so he's been tracking. So here's what happened: the one armed man, yeah, uh, went to the hospital and was in the morgue area, and Hawk yes. was following him. And I think in this episode, he just calls Cooper and says, "Hey, I kind of, I think he says he lost him and stuff." Yep. And and um, oh, and they, do they meet with him in this episode? No, it, no, that's next. Okay, that's uh, a future episode. But to give you some some background, again, the one armed man is kind of. Um, origins comes from the tv show the fugitive and there was this whole thing where this guy throughout the whole series was was searching for the one armed man so it was just sort of like a a wink and nod yes totally and so there's constantly in the show uh tv and movie references that are sometimes they foreshadow things and sometimes they're just a wink and a nod yeah yeah so yeah the one armed man will come into later and then we also find out that i don't because you know, we have it playing on in the background just so we, we have reference. But do we, we also learn, I think this is the episode we learn about James and um, what's her name? Or an item. I mean, I think there was talked about in the last episode. James and Donna? Donna James and Donna. Well, they've all cut. Haven't they been... But didn't they come out with it? Like, we we love each other yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, they did. They, they, they they've, kind... been, they've been leaning towards that since the pilot, though. In the yeah, sense but that, this like... is sort of like, yeah. they, they're like, we've always had feelings for each other. Um, because I don't think they ever acted on the feelings. No, they didn't act because I mean I think partly because they're because Donna was Laura's best friend and James was the the secret boyfriend. But now Laura's out of the picture. Right. They have opened each other up, and yeah, we we knew it was going to happen. We knew there's something there, but I think they kind of well, there's a yeah. scene where they're kissing on the couch, and we learned that they're now officially open with uh, yeah, open with each other yeah about the relationship yeah it's something that's pretty cool and so uh there's a scene where cooper comes to uh, back to his uh his place there back at the uh, at the hotel and he takes out his whistle and he blows it to me i think that's great because if in the pilot he was whittling like he was whittling and he was making something and now he's now we actually see he's using it <laughs> and he does it very comically too yeah, he's but yeah, it's pretty funny. So yeah. I think this is the same scene where where Hawk. You want to bring up the volume? We can just see. He, yeah. I think he gets a phone call. Special Agent Dale Cooper. Hello, it's Hawk. Be Hawk. How is Ronette Pulaski? Body and spirit are still far apart. What did you find out from her parents? Ronette recently quit her job at the perfume counter at Horn's department store. Everything else is quiet except this afternoon there was a one-armed man snooping around intensive care. A one-armed man. Left. Did you question him? Negative. I pursued, but he got away. Maintain an around-the-clock watch on Ronette, and we'll speak in the morning. So there he is. There's Hawk, There's Hawk yep. saying that. And that's all the status we get right now. I mean, so it's going to be trickled in. It's like we're going to constantly try and find that one arm. <laughs> Which we do, eventually. We do. And, I mean, I mean, we're kind of jumping ahead, but... He will dream about the one armed man too, and the, yep. so the one armed man is in the the European uh, version, and and it'll be in his dream coming up. But uh, and Bob, one armed man and Bob, right? Yep. So yeah, so there's a whole there's a lot of different connections going on. 
Um, so also in this one, we and we talk about Big Ed and Nadine, and just I uh, the Nadine thing. I was just like, what is going? Is this like a weird subplot where Nadine is? on an exercise machine and she's <laughs> real quick with a patch and I'm like this is weird what is going on with her but this episode she is looking for like um she's looking for curtain runners I, I realized that's her whole thing and she she wants to make them quiet curtain and runners. that's and that's been going on throughout the, uh, the series too I think I mean because we saw I think it was in the pilot she was already like yeah. moving back and forth or but I didn't get it because yeah. she kept doing it and I'm like well they're working perfectly fine <laughs> why do you need what's the big deal and I it, you finally realize she wanted to have an idea I don't think it matters if we skip it on her stuff she wants to make lots of money she would think that that's going to solve all her problems yeah that was it and she she becomes very uh, depressed about it um but I think Big Ed has oil on him, and it leaks onto the, like, runners. And then all of a sudden, she's like, oh, the oil, that's the thing, you know? Yeah. You know, so it's interesting. I mean, I'm, again, we're jumping ahead, but I, I find these things, I, they, they don't seem to me like coincidences. So she's doing that rowing thing, and she does bend it back. And stuff like that. And it's interesting that in the the dream, there's like sometimes my arms bend backwards. This is what uh, Laura or the so that Laura or I the, never put that. And together. she says sometimes my arms bend backwards. And here we have Nadine. She's clearly bending and, it backwards because yeah. she's breaking the, the the arms. I mean, is it coincidence? I don't know. It just seems kind of funny in a way that we have these. Is that a clue? <laughs> I don't know if it's a clue, <laughs> but I'm just saying that these things are just funny. That like. Oh my have... god! I think you might have told me the killer, Ben. <laughs> I am hoping it's not true. <laughs> uh, um, but if you did, that would have been like the weirdest like clue of all time. Yeah, I, I mean, never I knew think... she said that. I, I... Well, I mean, so I mean, yeah. So in the dream sequence, you know, Laura says sometimes my. I mean, I think I know back. her, but my arms bend back, and it's just funny that Nadine's. But I'm not. I'm not saying it has anything to do with anything. It's with just Big funny. Ed, I mean, Big Ed. I don't want to. We we can talk about Big Ed and Nadine <laughs> later on, but so, that's what you find out in this episode. Yeah, anyway. I have. A, so there's a sequence where Mike and Bobby go into the woods to to get the football. I think they're getting the mm-hmm. they're getting I think they're getting more drugs. I mean they they owe Leo money, but they're going to get drugs. And then in that sequence that Leo actually is there and he's but at the same time there is a stranger in the woods. Mm-hmm. And he's behind a tree. And you know, I always thought it was Ben Horn, but I don't think I could ever see the quality like, you know, on a regular standard definition TV. So I was like you couldn't really see, you could just see there was some kind of figure behind a tree. Yeah. Isn't and it? now in a Blu-ray, you can definitely see the person's wearing a ski mask and they're kind of built differently and I don't think it's Ben Horn anymore. I mean, but at the time there were episodes future where where yeah. I could have thought. So this is a mystery that is never solved. So Leo, they, they, they put up this Leo because Leo does have a ski mask. No, 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 no. Leo's there. So Leo is meeting with with Leo's actually. Oh, talking. I remember this scene. Okay, yeah. yeah, they're in the woods and so Leo, so so Bobby, Bobby Leo, and Mike are are getting and Mike. You never see again. He's around here and there. You yeah, know? like he seriously disappeared. I mean, the, the, I'm just remembering I mean, Mike, and I don't remember. Oh yeah. I'm, I mean, throughout the series, where does they, Mike they, go to? They, they have so many characters that I think they forget about characters from time to time. Mike. And they'll bring him back. <laughs> <laughs> they forgot about Mike because I honestly, oh, man. where did Mike go to? I mean, so my point was just that that, they, that mystery man that's in the woods with the ski mask is never revealed. Like we never find out in the whole series what that who that really? guy is. So, because it couldn't be Hank. Because Hank, we haven't met yet. Hank is still Hank is still in, in jail, jail at this point. So, so. but he has a ski mask. And, I, he, and again, he's a, he's somebody that I don't think would wear a ski mask. I think he's somebody that would just be open and be and have no problems. You know, the only person that has a ski mask, Laura's dad. This is jumping way. No, ahead. jump! Don't you? Yeah, we're, we're not jumping ahead. Let's go back. We're not jumping yeah, ahead. We'll get we'll get back to. All that. right, all right. So yeah, so this. We don't know who that guy is, but I have theories. We have we have theories of who could. But, it I, be. I, but I think you should keep that, and we should talk about it in okay. the future and stuff. But yeah, then right. you, you probably did make a point that it's good to bring up later. Um, so we got Nadine. Um, Leo Johnson broke bottle. Why do I have that written down? So that's when we get to the whole um, rock bottle um, presentation by oh, Cooper. Got you. Yes. So Cooper. I mean, you you probably can explain it better than I could. So he decide, uh, we, we find out that Agent Cooper is a receiver 
of some sort. He, I think this is the episode where he says that um, he's a strong receiver. Is he's that, a strong receiver. I don't know. I think that's in a future episode again. I think that's episode four. So I think it's still two episodes ahead. I think I could be wrong about that, but I think that's in the future. Well, anyway, we. I mean, yeah, we do but find it, go, but he has go, this rock on. thing. Explain the rock thing and in the plethora of donuts which we always see. The Cooper rock throwing demonstration. <laughs> so he's got the. He had a dream some time ago about Tibet and about the, and this whole idea of how to um, kind of channel his energy in experiment where he yeah. basically writes down names and he will throw rocks at the bottle and it's closed that you know he should make some notes about that and if he breaks it that's really important <laughs> so, so is this based off anything true do you know no. with research or is this, is this something they made up for the show it's something they made up for the show so so around this time David Lynch actually met the da- Dalai Lama in Hollywood oh, okay. and he tells Mark Frost it's like oh we gotta find a way to share this bring this into Twin Peaks and so this is kind of something that he they put on Cooper where they talk about Tibet and they talk about the people and, mm-hmm. and all that and so yeah so that's kind of they've kind of something new they've introduced um there's some points i want to make some continuity issues that i found interesting um let me see if i can get what i want to say here i don't even see my notes i'm sorry well i guess i'll just have to tell you without seeing oh so there's some continuity issue oh well now we've gone to into sorry so okay um, what well, was it, it the rock throwing? Because I think I might have noticed something. Where yeah, it was a little. I think he throws it, or they show it, and it looks like something was broken. But they cut back. I do remember seeing something weird, but I cannot remember what it was. So give me two seconds. I get it. So what happened? And the continuity issue is like he's circling names. Let's see if I can get. I just want to get my facts. Together. Oh, so the chalkboard was inconsistent. Right. Sorry, I don't... We don't... All right, I have to get going. Sorry. Well, while you're looking at that, I can just say, I think Leo uh, was a broken bottle. That's correct. And Johnson? Leo is John- Leo Johnson. Leo right. Johnson was a broken bottle. So that was the um, the big reveal that Leo Johnson was... It had something to do with something. Right, and you've been saying, I mean, in the last episode, you were saying that it seems like they're leading towards Leo is the, yeah. is the, is the yeah. killer and stuff. So this is this is Wrapped in Plastic Magazine, um, issue 10, that, and they talk about they can't talk about the continuity issues with this whole rock-throwing thing. Mm-hmm. So I'll re- I'm going to read a little bit about it. Okay. The television version of the scene contained a slight continuity error that uh, indicates script material was filmed but later edited out. Cooper discusses the meeting, uh, you know, Cooper discusses the meaning of the J referred to in Lore's diary, which I think we've talked about before. After talking about the Tibet, Cooper turns the blackboard over, and he has three letters written on it, J, R, and T. He says, you recall that on the day after her death, Laura Palmer wrote her wrote in her diary about the following entry nervous about meeting jay tonight we cut to the scene of truman hawk then back to cooper today we're going to concentrate on jay he circled the the letter J on the board but the r and the t are already circled so he's flipping it back and forth so at one point they're nothing circled and all of a sudden the uh, r and t are circled that's because the meaning of the dial that's because of the missing dialogue after mentioning the the quote from Di- Laura's diary, Cooper adds, Remember also under the nail of the ring finger of Laura's left hand, we discovered the R. Mm-hmm. In addition, under the nail of the ring finger of the left hand of Teresa Banks, the girl who was murdered last year, we discovered the letter T. Clearly, Cooper is circling each letter as he says them. Cutting the dial results in an unexplained rings on the chalkboard. So, I mean, I think that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Thing. But also, you, I think you talked about in one episode, you, we were trying to remember the letters. Yes, the R, but I also said the R looks like the font from the double R. Yes, that's pretty cool. It looks exactly I, like the I font. I never knew that, so that's pretty awesome. And the T yeah. is from Teresa. and So, yeah, that's something. So, I guess uh, I was thinking we could move on to Invitation to Love, if I don't. I'm going to mess this up. Invitation again. to Love. So this is the first reference to Invitation to Love and uh, on this episode, which is a soap opera that all the Twin Peaks... Oh, yes. I want to know. Do they all connect? Do they all, like, make one big show if you put all the Invitation to Loves together? <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that because um, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it sort of like reminds me of The Simpsons where they took all the Troy McClure movies on YouTube right. and it made a movie. 
Yeah, I don't think it'll fit as nicely as that. If but... you put your finger lower, you can scrub really fine. Like, go real low. Okay. Like, I know he's teaching me how to use the iPad. I've had this, this iPad. There you go. Perfect. Oh, back a little bit. Back. Back. Uh, One so, more. So, right? No. Oh, you go back a little bit. Okay. And then we'll, we'll play it. Back a little bit more. Okay. And let's play that. Right there. So, we'll... And that's the end of the rock cutting and rock throwing. Invitation to love. Each day brings a new beginning. And every hour holds the promise of an invitation to love. Right. And then she says, yeah, right. Which is like, when she's saying, yeah, right, there's a picture of Leo on the on the TV. And like so he's like, every Every day is an invitation. To, like, like, yeah, it's like, yeah. like, oh, it's wonderful, and think great things are going to happen. And she looks at, and that's what that, originally, you know, when when she met Leo, he had this shiny red car, and he seemed like a great guy. Uh-huh. And it's like it's not really as good as that, but, but I so, know he must have been some really nice guy because he's a real jerk. <laughs> like, how did he land her? It's just like, like, did she not know? Like, I, I mean, she was young. She was still in high school. But they're still she, young now. I know. She's still in high school. I, She's I, a dropout. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, they've had to have been married. Maybe like in my head, I picture Leo and what's her name again? It's Shelly. Um, Shelly. I picture them together for not even a year. Like, yeah, I like, agree. They I were think to, that's right. they were together. They got married on a whim. Like they just shotgun wedding. Yes. She was like, I'm in love. I'm in love. I'll drop out of school. I'll work at the diner. And then you, you're just, gonna wash my clothing. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it turns into a jerk. Like oh, the moment, man. like their honeymoon. You know, like. And then she's just too. She's just too nice and scared. Right. To leave him. Yeah. And so she's just stuck in this like abusive, um, loveless marriage. Yeah. You know. Totally. Totally. So, uh, interesting thing is, I, I don't think we've gone into uh, wh- what the date is and the in the year and and uh, this. Uh, so the show aired in 1990, but the actual Twin Peaks. Uh, story takes place in 1989. I didn't and, know that. And this this episode takes place on a Sunday, which <laughs> <laughs> I know it's really geeky. Wait, did the whole episode take place? No, because there was a yeah, night scene. Well, yeah, so. so usually they're about one day. They sometimes they're like from night to night yep. or something like that. So I think I think this episode. How did this episode start? It started um. Well, you had. Oh, night- it, well, it started with them. I think having dinner, maybe or yeah. I think the so it was basically a night to night. Yeah, I, I think it started with the night Saturday night. And it went to Sunday night. Okay, because we had the we had the meeting we, well, in we the park the, at night. We, yeah, and we had the horns eating dinner, and then we had the right. So yeah, yeah. that's what it is. So, anyways, a soap opera doesn't usually take place on a Sunday, but clearly, I mean, I guess they decided they didn't, it didn't matter to them. That I mean, some people said, well, maybe it's just a commercial for it, but there was actually dialogue that was cut that talking about more introducing these characters and stuff. Well, this is actually the only show they ever watch. Well, <laughs> so it's the it only well that's i mean i think there was some news i think in the pilot yes. shelly was watching news and they might have watched news one other later time. on there yeah. is a news but other than that it's the news in yeah. this one show and everybody has it it's always on right. maybe they only have one network where they are twin peaks might not get a lot of reception so maybe they have like it. one right. show now and you always say there's too many characters already on the show well when it yeah. gets, invitation to love has a lot of characters too you have like the sisters and the dad and then there's this guy and, and it was it was pretty complicated too and so there was a whole cut scene about about these characters i'm not gonna get into them because i don't think it i don't think they brought this little clip brought anything to to the regular story whereas other episodes there were some really cool like invitation to love scenes that kind of like either echoed or kind of shared what was happening in their lives but if you ever wanted to see the entire um all of the segments that were deleted, that were not even shown of Invitation to Love. You could go to YouTube, and the channel is Twin Peaks Archive One. And yeah. um, this uh, this person uh, has a Twin Peaks Archive website where they archive a lot of Twin Peaks type of stuff. So and if you put all the Invitation of Love, yeah, I gotta it's, watch it's that. One, it's one. It's just one long video. I, I want to say I don't know if it's like forty minutes or something. Oh but my it's like, god! It's everything. And like I said, uh, I think I said to you, uh, uh, Mark Frost, co-creator, was the one that directed all of these. So really? it was kind of his baby and stuff. But I thought it. <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah so where should we go from here we um well let me see what i have in my notes we have um we have the rock throwing albert and team we're introduced to in this episode oh albert albert now the the actor 
Um, you might recognize him from other. He's been in a lot. Is of he on like since. a CSI or something like that, or one of these cop? Uh, I feel drama like things. He was. Oh my god! Now I can't remember. He was on like, I saw him. I go, oh my god, that guy. You're right. And he has been on tons of other stuff. Um, now I have to IMDb him. But Albert. Now Albert is sort of like the total opposite of cooper where cooper is very polite and right. nice and respectful albert is just a jerk he is uh rude um and i was gonna bring it up in the in the next episode but since you're bringing him up harry uh payton who will be writing the next episode uh wrote most a lot of the dialogue and he he was the one that kind of did um yeah he was the one that if it was mean and sarcastic lines it probably came from um harley payton oh really <laughs> yeah, so that was his thing I'm trying to look for, um, oh, he played um, Agent, um, he has been in, I'm going to butcher his, Miguel yep. Farrell, or something Pretty like close. that. It, very, I think so. Yeah, Miguel, um, he was in, God, I, I see him, and I'm like, I know, he's been in tons of stuff. But I, mean, I I enjoy his character Albert because yeah. he comes in there and he has no problems kind of like saying you guys are all a big joke and stuff and it's like you kind of need that sometimes it's kind of it's almost like in a way you can laugh at that like you can laugh at other things in Twin Peaks but to have another character and say like you guys are all a joke you kind yeah. of like yeah but let's not take ourselves too seriously later on he he does make he does come back and there's a scene where he is just laughing at the ridiculousness why everybody else is very serious yeah um he yes he he's currently in um. NCIS, but you might know him, Iron Man 3. Um, I'm trying to look to see what, uh, Psych, Lie to Me, a lot of, a lot of TV, and uh, CSI, he was Law and Order, Medium. Pretty cool. You see him and you go, oh, that's that guy. I right. know who that is. So now we're at, um, we're at the diner, the WR, and Audrey and Don are hanging out. And she's talking about, I mean, she's definitely infatuated uh, with Cooper. She, like, really likes him. She's saying, oh, Cooper drinks black coffee. And Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and so one of the things that happens in this is that uh, this is this was not part of the script. David Lynch wanted uh, uh, Sherilyn Fenn, who plays Audrey, to dance. He said, oh, I've got some great music. I just want you to do something and stuff. And so this is kind of her ad-libbing libbing, uh, the whole dance thing. And In the music... In this show, is weird. It's out of, like, weird in a sense. It's out of time. Like it is. It's it, crazy stuff. I mean, I don't know what. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just jazz, jazz music, right. and she's just slow dancing in the diner for no apparent reason. But also, she's a troublemaker. She is. <laughs> um, but later on, we have like Laura's dad sings weird music everybody has like um yeah the music is just like out of place like you're like this takes place what in the 50s almost like the I music know. has a yeah. different but it's kind of cool it's, it's a very ambiguous so here's albert tell agent cooper that albert and his team are here you can see lucy's reading albert? about tibet b-e-r-t are we gonna have to stand here all afternoon no albert rosenfield r-o-s-e-n F-I-E-L-D. Chef, this is Lucy. Is Agent Cooper with you? Yes, he is. Are Albert and his team here, Lucy? Yes, he is. They are. We're on our way. Let's break. Let's break. And there's, there's a funny thing after that where... Uh, Cooper like says to Harry that like oh you know he's not the nicest guy and stuff. Yeah. Like, yep. Well, nobody's perfect. And then Cooper like uh, squeezes his squeezes, squeezes Harry's note. Wah, wah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember that. Um, like, clearly, their friendship is growing. Yes, they become like since yeah. See, they they become like best buds uh, almost. Yeah. Like, um, they become like a partner. Right. Like they're, they're like uh, friends and they're like a team right. now. And Albert just comes in, and he doesn't want he none of the shenanigans. He yeah. just wants to cut to the BS and right. Which I mean, I bet he, I bet he, I mean, in the pilot, Cooper says, "Don't go, don't give this to Sam. Give this to Albert because you know he knows his stuff." So mm -hmm. I mean, he's probably a really good at his job, but he doesn't even know how to like be. Uh, he doesn't know how to be social, really. Yes. I mean, 
He doesn't want to have friends. He just wants to right, get the job. Get done the job done. done. Right. So you get to learn, you know, meet more characters now. Um, now I th- I think we're getting close to the dream. Yeah, we are getting pretty close. Do we? Is there anything else before the dream we need to cover? I don't think there's needed. I think we. I don't think so. So the dream, when the dream finally does happen, well, we can talk briefly. I mean, ah, that's oh wait, is this? Now here's the other moment of music, right? Is this the part where? Here we go. This music's playing while Laura, Laura's dad is spinning a circle, crying. He's dancing with Laura. Laura, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a framed picture of Laura from a home uh, homecoming queen. It, there. It's just bizarre because it's such happy music. Yeah. And he does this a lot. I mean, this is not the first time you'll see him right. lose his I think this cool. Is the, I think this is the first time that we've seen yes. it, but you're right. It becomes a pattern with him that, like, he's just, like, losing it. And now he's smashed. <laughs> he's, he's smashed the pitcher. And I think I think uh, Ray Wise, who's the actor, I think he said he actually did cut himself a little bit and stuff. Oh, so, really? Yeah. yeah. I mean... I mean, usually today they have fake glass, but I think he, he did say that he did cut himself a little bit. Oh, wow. Like... Yeah, you should have sugar glass. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he does. He just you you just kind of watch his downward spiral right. of uh, losing his daughter, and but the music it just throws you off. It's like sort of like this is uncomfortable. You right. feel almost uncomfortable oh, yeah. watching it. Yeah. But later on, he does do this again. Oh yeah, it's well, yeah. We'll definitely see a pattern. But it's interesting to see how. How both uh, parents deal with grief. I mean, mm-hmm. you have you have uh, Sarah Palmer, who uh, she seems like she's always on drugs. I mean, she's always medicated, and yep. she's kind of. You were saying in one episode when, when, previously how you always see her in her bathrobe, and you do in that <laughs> yeah, scene. She's in her bathrobe, right? Like she's just at home, grief. You know, right. really um, right. sad. And the dad obviously hasn't gone back to work, or maybe no, I, don't I, don't think, no, he no I don't think he's gone back to work. And yeah. he's always in a suit, though. Like maybe he wants to, right? And then he he's always just crying and dancing yep. to music, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so I think yeah, we're at the point now where uh, Cooper's gonna go to go to bed here, and uh, we see the dream sequence. We here. should play some of the backwards talking. Yeah, totally. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Um, so the dream. This is where the show turned that left corner for me, and I was just like, oh wow, this is cool. Right. Like, I really liked it. Um, and so yeah, we see we see uh, Cooper as an old man sitting down. And this was shaking well, a shaking little man. Yeah, there's the midget and there's a pole, and he's in a red room. And then we see Sarah going down the stairs and uh, Laura. And yep. we see flashes, uh, all kinds of different flashes of uh, of Laura dead. And can I bring it up for a second? Yeah, yeah. The magician longs to see. One chance out between two worlds. So he's a poem about the about um, one chance out between two worlds, and in different writings, sometimes it's been chant, C H A N T S, like you're chanting, uh, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's been chance, like let's take a chance, and so it's been interpreted different ways. And really, I think I think the actor who who did the poem says that David wanted it to be chant. C-H-A-N-T-S, like you're chanting. But it's been done both ways, and it's different interpretations, like one chance out between two worlds, mm. fire walk with me. But it's an interesting thing that we should revisit at some point. And that's one-arm uh, Mike yeah. that we heard. That, and well, he's the he guy lo- they referenced being at the hospital. He looks the same, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he looks the same. Well, they talk about um, the one-armed man right. being you're at the right, hospital, right. and then yep. we see uh, we see Bob and uh, and Bobby. Bob is the guy that we talked about the last episode, who just happened to be in the mirror shot, right? right. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And and I think that's the only thing that we've we've. I'm trying to remember if they mentioned anything else about Bob. I don't think so. The the well, the mom has the vision. Visions, yeah. And we see Bob behind the bed. Right, right, right. But we don't know why he's behind that bed. Right. It's weird. He's but he says in this dream in this dream he says I'm going to kill again. So he's obviously some sort of killer or right. psychopath. Yeah. Um so all this Cooper's having all these dreams. Now, do you consider them dreams or visions? Because in this show, it's very hard they 
I feel like everything is a vision. Right. Nothing's really. Gosh, it's a tough one. I mean, I, I I was even thinking about that today. I don't know what you really technically. I mean, I think when this whole series is over, we should revisit that and say, what is this? Is this a vision or a dream? Right. Yeah. Because yeah. So we get to see Laura Palmer for the first time acting. Like we don't see a dead body. We actually right. see a real Laura. And Cooper looks old. Um, like this oh, takes. Well, here's some of the backwards dialogue. That he's actually speaking backwards. And I thought it was just backwards. So, yeah, let's maybe I'll stop it for a second. So, I'll stop it for a second. Yeah. So, the actor who, who plays the little man, his name is uh, Michael Anderson. And actually, David Lynch met him in 1978. I think he was doing movie work, but he, I think David Lynch wanted him for a, a movie that both Mark Frost and him were working on and stuff. That wow. was possibly. But he first met him there then. And Michael Anderson, as a little kid, he had taught himself how to speak backwards. That's so this is so something weird. that like he's known to do for a long time. And for this dream <clears throat> sequence, what really happens is he speaks backwards. And then they play it forward and stuff like that. So that's yes. why you can hear. That's why you can kind of hear what they're saying. Is so he he speaks backwards and then they they read they play it forward. I know. So it throws you for a loop because you're right. almost like, wait, what it's are they not, doing? I kind of understand what he's saying. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so Michael Anderson also like, I think would help other actors because I mean, uh, for for Laura Palmer's uh, actors, she had to learn how to how to say things backwards as oh, well. Okay. And stuff. So he was there for that. But yeah, I just wanted to, I wanted to share that with you. Um, do I want to get into the other stuff? I guess so. Yeah. So, I, I want to give you some or as the history or some some background on how the red room came about. Yeah, yeah. Because basically, that's the red room. I mean, this is giving you a lot of information about how the show is going to go. But, um, like you said, this red room scene was presented differently at one point in time. So, I'm using, so this is a, a book called uh, Lynch on Lynch. It was edited by Chris Rodley. And in there, so the whole book is, it's like interviews with Lynch, but it's basically Lynch telling the whole, the whole book is basically Lynch talking. You know, like he, you have some interview, but it, mm -hmm. I mean, to me, that's a great, you can't be a better book than having the actual person tell you his story. Yeah, so this yeah. is Lynch and Lynch says, we were editing the alter, alternate, alternative ending for foreign, for the foreign version over at some editing room at CF. CFI laboratory in LA working with alternate ending footage that we had shot up in Seattle. It wasn't completely coming together in a satisfa satisfactory way. One night about 6.37 p.m. in the evening, I remember it was very warm. Dwayne Dunham, that was the editor, and his assistant Brian Burden and I were leaving for the day. We were out in the parking lot and I was le leaning against a car. The front of me was leaning against the very warm car. My hands were on the roof and the metal was very hot. The red room scene leapt into my mind. Little Mike was there and he was speaking backwards. I told Dwayne that I had an idea that I thought he would like very much. So I think wow. so I think just because of that heat, he was thinking red and he and yeah, I, that, yeah. it's funny that I mean, David Lynch is an artist, so he's very much like thinks abstract and thinks mm -hmm. things. But just that the heat of the car, I wanted to say it was a red car, but he doesn't say <laughs> it's a red car. But just the heat of the car makes him start thinking of this other world, this yeah. red world. And so I, and, but That's and cool. to ha but and to have to have Michael Anderson there, like he's in, Michael Anderson's just hanging out with him in the parking lot, and he's just talking back for the heck of it and stuff. And it's like, he's, so David Lynch is like, it's hot. I have little Mike in the scene with me, and he's gonna talk backwards, and it's just, a, it's a crazy thing. And David Lynch's first movie, Eraserhead, he also had thought about doing a scene where people spoke backwards. So I think David Lynch has been interested in this idea for a long time, and just looking for a place to implement the talking of the talking backwards. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was one other thing I want to share, some other things I want to share here too, but I want, I wanted to give you a little more background about that whole, um, how the whole, uh, alt, uh, European ending happened about. So, mm -hmm. so ABC wasn't willing to give Mark Frost and David Lynch all the money. They basically said the only, you know, to finish this pilot, you're going to have to get it from somewhere else. And that's where they oh. had to go with Warner and that, and that's how that came about. But so the thought, thing I thought was really interesting was, is that, David Lynch kept they kept on telling David Lynch we need to have an ending to this to the pilot for the foreign things and mm. David Lynch kept on blowing him off kept blowing him off and then finally he realized oh no I really need to come up with an ending and, and how do you come up with an ending of a murder mystery when you still have a whole series that you're hoping to do yeah. so he says here um 
I always thought I was going to say, forget it. Most people must, okay, most people may just tag on something. But what, where's that, but where's that at? If you're going, I'm sorry. If it's going out, people may, okay, they might just tag on something, but where, where's that? If it's going, I'm sorry, I cannot read for some reason, excuse me. <laughs> I, I could just say what it is. Yeah. But if it's with my name on it, it's gotta be something, you know. So he, what he was really trying to say is that like, he wasn't going to just throw something together. He felt like, yeah. my name is on this. I'm an artist. I'm a film director. People are going to see this. I need to have a real ending. So just, so he, he he shoots all this stuff in the hospital. We have this the killer Bob, and we have this uh, man that's doing a poem about Firewalk with me. Yeah. And then he says, it's not, that's not good enough. I still want more. And then he, this is where he all of a sudden <laughs> thinks about the Red Room and stuff. And yeah. I, think, I think that's really something to see the evolution of, of, of how we get. And the Red Room, as we were just talking about, all of a sudden becomes the, basically the rest of the season. I mean, the mm-hmm. rest of the first season really kind of uses the dream. Yeah, as the premise. But also, the I feel like, okay, so on the Blu-ray, you can watch the pilot with the Red Room stuff and everything tacked on yes and so i'd watch that section after episode three but i i feel like you watch it and it doesn't give you who the killer is no i mean so if say say nothing happened say the first episode happened and that was it and then you watch talking about the pilot or the pilot yeah and you watched it with the red room stuff it doesn't give you an ending though i mean it gives you something to latch on to well, but the you european don't... version is like it was like oh we found the killer in the basement and then we shot him and he's dead and oh, that's well, true and then and and and, and so we, we've won we've beat him and stuff and it's it's really i mean we don't get a sense of like well why did you do this and like you don't really have mm-hmm. a really to me it's not a satisfacting ending and stuff like that but, but then when all of a sudden the red room it's it like in the in the european pilot yeah you, you find out bob and armless mike and they were the killers or Bob seemed to have armless. No, armless Mike. No, Bob's armless. I'm no, yeah, this. Mike's yeah, one arm man. Yeah. One arm man. He seems to be like the in this pilot. This is like just in this section. They're in the yeah. They're in that boiler room and everything, and it's like kind of satanic maybe. Right, because you got these candles. These yeah, I don't know twelve candles, but there's a bunch of candles. Do you, I there. feel. I felt like um. Bob was the crazy one, and one of Mike was not so crazy. Like maybe he was trying to keep him under control. Like he was gonna kill again. Like, like almost like I can't control him. But yeah, he's he's out of it. You know, he's crazy. Here's an here's a here's a spin on this too. So he 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 Mike shoots Bob and and seems like he kills him. But as he shoots Bob. Bob is falling over, but Mike is falling over as well. It's almost like they're somehow connected and stuff. Like I almost they're thought they were of... brothers. Yeah, like, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, because it's not, it's not really, I, it's not canon for the yeah, Twin Peaks. But it's yeah. interesting that they're somehow were, they are connected in some way. And also, like you mentioned that now, like they kill one, maybe the other one didn't exist. Maybe it was one or Mike, but Bob could have been. Because the show strays from the norm, maybe Bob was him, but just a different like. Who knows? I mean, yeah, it could have been the like, psycho version and, of him. And so you wonder, like, what would what, what would Twin Peaks have been like if they never had were were forced to make a make a European, you know, sh- that uh, was a, the a ending film. Like if they ne- if they were never forced to have to make this other f- complete film for europe or whatever oh like what, they would what never we, shot we, the red room. red room and then what would our what would our season have been like the rest of, of the first season what would that have been like so That's it's interesting true. in a way like sometimes your your hand is forced and and actually makes you more creative and i think david lynch mm-hmm. would agree that sometimes you know these things happen and they're for the best yeah um i do agree with that because i i i think like if they weren't forced yeah maybe the show would have went in a different direction and I think the Red Room probably would have happened. I think David Lynch probably would have had the same idea. Maybe. You never know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's something else. Um, but, like, so the Red Room in the pilot, 
it says twenty five years later. Yes. Yeah, so, so in the in the European the European version, there's mm-hmm. two differences. There's only two differences. I think I think if if we if we had two monitors and we played them both at the same time, I think there'd be two differences. The twenty five years later, mm-hmm. and also um, the little man uh, actually holds hands with Laura for a, for a moment. Like they're actually their hands are holding each other. And that, yeah. That's I think the only yep. difference. But did you want to say more about the twenty five years later? Um, the only thing I had to say is like. Because, because uh, I don't really remember. What well, Laura you can say says. right now we're at, we're at the twenty five year period right now. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's interesting because will they address this? Address it, and what right. if? Well, they can't address it because this it really wasn't a dream. It was a vision, and because that pilot wasn't part of the series. That well, ending. So right now we're in episode two. If we look at episode two, where we do now have, oh, I see. Oh, well, yeah. Well, okay. Because twenty five years I'm never gonna, really happened. I'm going to cheat a little bit. The next episode, Cooper will sit down for breakfast, and he will say, "And it was twenty five years later." So he does actually in in does he? he does actually say it. So I mean, when we get to the next ex- episode, he'll he'll sit down and say, "And it was twenty five years later, and I was an old man, mm. and I saw you know." So in his head, he's in his vision, he saw the twenty five years later. Yeah, and like he just made it up in his head, right? <laughs> like, like how did he no, know exactly? I just had a dream, and ten years, I I dreamed ten years from now that I was. You know, he looked yeah. pretty old for twenty five years. I know, later. I know, especially he, when you know what what the actor is now. So stuff, they but. could start off the new show with him. Sitting in that same chair in the red room. Why not? And it... It could be interesting, yeah. They could start the whole show off like that. They could. I never thought to do it that way. I mean, I always thought there's other ways to introduce them. But yeah, they totally could start the whole... Without the makeup, because he looks old now. (laughs) He looks wrinkly. So you start the show off with him and Laura and everything. And then... And then maybe that can take us on a new journey. Totally. Yeah. So I'm going to share some other things with you that I think is interesting about the red room. So... David Lynch wanted these these cur- these red curtains to be really red, and so he he made sure, he he wanted the lighting guy to br- make it as bright as possible the light. And so mm-hmm. actually, I think you can see in, in that the, the, there's these circles of white uh, circles of light where they're basically like probably spotlights yep. on it. And then what he asked to do was he, he said, "I also want to have a bird." Flying by uh, on on the uh, on the curtain and stuff like that. So what they did is they oh had another spotlight, and in the spotlight they had a um, um, like a design of a bird in there, and they used that spotlight to actually kind of show a bird going by. And the bird, there it goes. There's that that's right there. So. It is a slow moving bird. In yeah. the bird now, I because I'm a little bit ahead, and I'm putting this all together. The bird becomes a major character. Uh, well, one of the, the bird sure. does become a major focal point. Birds of the show. are definitely. I mean, right now we have we have the opening. I think the opening starts. With, we have a bird. When I mean, birds definitely play a big part. I mean, but there's a pet bird. Yes, yes. So yes. we come. There'll be. Yeah. So birds play a part. Yep. But I think where you are, where you've been watching, it's even more important that the. But bird. that makes sense now. Now it see it's cool to kind of go back. But here's and the watch funny this thing again. is like. David Lynch didn't know what he was doing back then. He didn't say, I I, I know exactly what I want to do for the first season. He mm-hmm. was kind of like, I just have this idea that I want to do about the Red Room. And like, yeah. he's talking about, like, sometimes my arms bend backwards and, and all this stuff that, like, isn't really there yet. And, it's and like, it happens. And it happens. And, and I think, I mean, I was going to talk more about it in the next episode, but it's really Mark Frost taking Lynch's ideas and, 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 and running oh, with it and kind of... Okay. It's you're dealing with the abstract, and then somebody who can be very constructive and very, very, you know, uh, you know, can figure those things out. So it's, I think it's really fascinating stuff. So do you want to do any more? Do you want? Yeah, to... we'll take the. I got good music. Yeah, it sounds so weird. That's the music is dying too. Gum back in style. So that gum, no, that gun gum reference. I mean, I know on Twitter he said that to tell She's everybody. Oh, here, pause it. Yeah, I want to see. This is it's fascinating to watch this now, right? As after what I've seen, but like the gum you like is gonna come back in style. I don't think I remember seeing Andrew Cooper chomping on gum. Right. So what is that? Right. I mean, can I, I say that 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 will come up again? So it will. 
I mean, it's coming. I mean, right. I mean, it ha there's not in the near future. The, the the reference doesn't come up, but it will come up again. But I in think season I mean, one though. I, no, I, no. Okay. I don't think. I don't think. It's, I know because most of the dream, uh, this dream kind of is played out in the first season. But it will come up again in the second season. And but I think you, we can look at it as the gum, that gum you like is coming back in style. That like what was old is new, new again. again. Okay. Yeah. If you could just look at it as okay as abstract that. because yeah. the the dream is abstract. And then when he says. I'm her cousin, right. and Laura's sitting next to him. Now we. Do... I want to talk more about that in the in the next episode. I okay, want, I because want to we, talk do about cousins. we do meet. We do meet. All right, all right. I'll leave Let's that. Let's save some stuff for the next episode. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think that's mostly what I wanted to talk about. I don't know if, if there's something else that you want. No, I think we've covered the episode. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, he's going to pause it again. It is Laura Palmer. So, he says, doesn't she... Now, does he say, I'm her cousin? Or, that's her cousin? Doesn't she look almost... Does she, yeah, I think he's just saying, that's my cousin. That's my cousin. Right. But and then, she look, doesn't she look almost like Laura Palmer? Right. I don't take it... I wouldn't take it literal. I okay, I'm not going to say literal. I would, like, yeah. Because, I mean, without talking about it, yeah, we'll talk about it next episode. Okay, okay, we can continue. I'm sorry. I'm gonna. <laughs> Are you Laura Palmer? Hey, feel quiet. No, we're. Well, some arms. My arms bend back. So that's when she said, but my arms bend back. Yeah. She's I don't know if I missed this point where I may have missed a point where Why are we from I'll talk about it in the next episode And this is all stuff that's gonna be played out yes. in some ways throughout the first season. All this stuff does take yes yeah i mean there's references and it's kind of like we we try to the abstract and try to put it in the real world and it's almost like you should watch after season one you should go back and re-watch just this scene yeah because you can fill in the blanks and go oh my god the bird right oh my god this and that and the other right, thing right right yeah, yeah totally and there's a little man dancing now and uh and this is the only time they actually end the episode with him with some, well they do it later on but usually just a picture part, of Laura right. for the most part that the credits are always uh, the pom uh, Laura the, the um, homecoming queen picture yep. in glass and right in this ending they decided to feature a little man dancing, dancing. Yeah. yeah that's where most of the people turned right. it off and said I don't know what I'm watching now Laura is uh, going over to Cooper and telling him a secret and then she's gonna and we kiss don't him. find out what the secret is do we i don't know well you're not we gotta get there we gotta get there yeah yeah i think they do a pretty good job of of of, of everything that yeah you, you'll see oh she kisses him and then well i think that's probably it I mean, yeah that's it for the episode i mean there's a lot in this episode this is my favorite episode so you know what's something i i only recently learned chevron pattern that the pattern on the floor is called chevron and of art and stuff i didn't even know into what's the car a red uh chevy no, i don't know corvette i don't know a red... oh that's uh the leo there right yeah but what was a red uh corvette i think corvette. Right. now this is the funniest part was his hair is always slicked back it's like woody woodpecker and it's sticking they... up because he has so much gel in his hair the funny thing is both the both the European version and this version has him sticking his hair sticking up and stuff. So yeah, I love this scene. Um, it's just it's just funny, and he continues dancing like the. Um, oh yeah, he's he's kind of moving along. He's he's uh, snapping his fingers there. Yeah. Cooper there. So I think that's it for this episode. I mean, we it is kind of cool. I really enjoy looking at that again. A, st a standpoint where I am in the show. Yeah, I mean, I, th I honestly, I think that, like, I think I want, I wanted, to, I wanted to end before <clears throat> we go on on Lynch having to say something again. Mm -hmm. So this is the Lynch on Lynch book, and uh, this is something he has to say. The red room scene was the most fun I've ever had shooting something, and the result was a beautiful, was so beautiful to me. It was done for the alternate ending European version, but the scene has re repercussions all throughout the Twin Peaks series. 
Kind of like we're saying, like it's yeah. kinda, it's something that is lasting and stuff. And I, I feel the same way. Yep. It kind of almost it, it it defines the show. I think when you think of Twin Peaks, you th- you think of that scene. Yep. It's kind of the defining moment, and it's also the defining moment for the viewer at the time to say, "Well, are you on board with this? Right? Or are you not on board yeah. with this?" Some people can. If be like, you can't handle this, you shouldn't watch anymore. Yeah, think, pretty yeah. much. This is a jumping <laughs> off point, so you better get off or stay on. Um, but I stayed on because I, I that was cool. It was a cool uh, episode. But um, next week we'll be talking about episode. We're going episode three. Right? Three, yep. yeah. The, the funeral, the funeral episode. Yeah, I have a lot of notes for three. Cool. So and oh. and so we're gonna end with um another Diane tape. Yep. And this one is so this is the um from uh, this is a, an audio cassette tape that was back back then in 1990 done by Scott Frost. Uh, he wrote it. Who is Mark Frost's brother? And Kyle MacLachlan uh, does the voice stuff for it. So here you go. We'll end it with this. Thank you. This. Uh, yeah. So do we want to say anything about like where how they can contact us? And where, oh uh, yeah, we should start doing. Okay, we're on Twitter. Yeah. What's the Twitter again? Well, it's Twin Peaks Unwrap. Unwrap. Yep. But I think if you search Twin Peaks Unwrapped, you'll, you'll find, find us. us. And then we're on Facebook, Twin Peaks Unwrapped. You can like us on Facebook. Yep. And you can find it, uh, you can, if you want to email us, it's Twin Peaks Unwrapped at gmail.com. Yep. And you are Brian and I'm Ben. Yes. And we're out of here. See ya. Diane, 11.30 p.m., Great Northern Hotel, Room 315. Events converge. The theory of concentric thinking. There may, in fact, be no such thing as coincidence. While generally a man missing a limb is not in and of itself strange for a hospital, Deputy Hawk reports seeing a one-armed man outside of intensive care. A note, five by seven envelope, cream colored, and scented with an expensively priced perfume, was slipped underneath my door. It said, Jack with one eye. Now to sleep, perchance to dream.